Hey, everybody, just wanted to give you a heads up before we get started here that we recorded this podcast via the Zoom platform. Since we're doing social distancing, we're trying to stay in remote locations as we are still getting you content. So I apologize if there are any audio hiccups or issues. I think it turned out pretty well, though. A little bit of a delay between the two of us uh, talking, but I think you're still going to enjoy the content. Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. This is Eric Bowl, Director of Public Affairs. Today we're having a special guest join us with all the craziness going on in the world right now with the coronavirus and people being quarantined at home. It's been a tough time mentally for a lot of people just to deal with what all they're having to change in their lives, whether that be their kids being home from school or their spouse being home from work or who knows what, on top of having to deal with falling prices and challenges, changes in the farm economy. So we are going to be discussing all that today with Jason Meadows, who is a pharmacist by training who lives in Cuba, Missouri, but also has been very actively involved in helping discuss the challenges of farm life and being involved in agriculture. So Jason, appreciate you joining us. Hey, Eric, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So why don't you start off just telling us a little bit about yourself and What's made you get interested in these issues and why is it that this has become a passion of yours? Sure. Well, um, I am I am from Cuba, Missouri, and I have a wife and four kids. Um, I was raised right here in Cuba or outside of Cuba. Other, um, I, my dad, he owned the uh, local sale barn here in Cuba. Interstate, it was interstate livestock market back then. Now it's interstate regional stockyards, but he ran that for a good a good while, and he sold it when I was in oh I was probably ten years old when he sold it. Um, but then you know he continued to run a cow calf operation for um, for you know until this day. Um, we I went left high school. I graduated high school in two thousand two and went to St. Louis. Went to St. Louis College of Pharmacy. Um, graduated in two thousand eight with my PharmD. Um, so I've been back here in the area since two thousand eight, working as a pharmacist. Um, but I also have my own cow calf operation. Um, so the whole time through college, really, and uh, I was in, and even since I graduated college, coming into just this last couple of years, I've been trying to find a way to kind of bridge the gap between my professional training as a pharmacist and then my my work and my love and my passion for agriculture. And um, in the past, probably two or three years, just generally, I have been looking for. I've been interested in mental health, uh, especially with the newfound kind of almost chronic epidemic of sorts of people, especially in rural America, who are going through the, the times of, of, of depression, not just economic depression, but social isolation. Before that was even a buzzword, <laughs> you know, things that we, uh, just the lifestyle, it, it, sometimes it can lead to, I mean, leads to a lot of great things, but it can also lead to some, some pretty, uh, severe loneliness. So I was really trying to find a way to kind of bridge the gap between that and trying to serve those people, serve the people who I care about, the people in the agriculture community. And 
I've been listening to podcasts for the last uh, probably same amount of time. And I love ag podcasts, you know, because it kind of helps me feel more connected with the ag community. And I, there would be a lot of ag podcasts, like episodes that would deal with mental health, but there wasn't one podcast really solely talking about mental health. And I found myself just a little bit frustrated until I kind of came to the realization, well, why don't I just try to do one? I mean, um, not acting, you know, I had no idea how easy or hard it may be, but I just kind of set out on that, on that, uh, trail. And that was about, uh, that was July of 2019. And here we are, we've recorded, we just, um, this week we'll release our 26th episode and it's been, uh, it's been a really, really cool thing for me. Your podcast is Ag State of Mind, and I've listened to several episodes, and it really is very uh, interesting and entertaining at the same time, a topic that you wouldn't think might be considered entertaining, but I really enjoyed listening to it, and that yeah. led me to get in touch with you to see if you might be able to give us some insight into what people are feeling out there, given all the challenges that they're facing this week, and you know, it may be going on for months, Yeah, we really just have no idea, so what, right. what are you hearing from people? So we all know that times were, it's been a challenging couple years, really. I mean, really starting in 2019 with the floods and then we've had the ongoing trade wars and whatnot. And, you know, that's been, that's been hard on us back here, you know, on, on the farm and on the ranches um, because we sometimes, you know, feel like we're just caught in this thing. We don't have a whole lot to really do with it, but um, we kind of feel almost stuck and not know, not knowing which way to go. And then this, this whole deal with COVID-19 happens and, you know, the, the, not just the ag, uh, markets start to crash, all the markets start to crash. And um, we're just, I think everyone's just kind of feeling just this, just really sense of un uncertainty and not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing where this is coming from. It just seems all so abrupt. And, you know, it, the only thing I can really um, compare it to in my lifetime was 9-11. And 9-11, although, I mean, I remember it well, I wasn't a functioning adult at that time. I was still in high school. And even, even now as an adult, and this still, this is much more significant, I feel like. I feel like it's going to have um, some a really interesting uh, impact on the way life is going forward. So um, as far as us out here in rural America and on, on the farm, uh, it's just, what, just like what I said. I think, it's the, I think it's the fear of the unknown that is mostly how most people are feeling. And not just the unknown. And you know, how are we going to get from, you know, how are we going to get to the next day? How are we going to, you know, we just don't, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone a month or, you know, six months from now. And I think you're exactly right. That it is that fear of the unknown. We don't know. Are we going to be in this quarantine situation for three weeks or four months or a year? We have no idea. And I think a lot of the lessons that the ag community has unfortunately been learning over the past few years with the tough situation we've had with prices and continual bad news and bad weather are unfortunately probably going to be learned by a lot of other people all across the economy. Mm -hmm. This is no longer just a downturn in the ag economy. It's going to be an economically systemic across the entire economy situation. What, what do you think that maybe we've learned in the past few years about how to handle these type of things? We can maybe help other people um, share with them so that they can get through this situation even better. 
So, and again, I, I'm no expert, of course, but I know things that I've heard and things people I've talked to and even things that I've kind of implemented in my own life is, you know, first thing is you really learn what's important. You know, if it, first thing I think about is input input uh, expenses on on our operation and you know maybe maybe you don't maybe it's you don't buy a new tractor this year or um, maybe you know you try to find ways to cut your feed bill or cut your electric bill Um, you know you you start really prioritizing things and understanding the things that really matter and my wife and I were actually having this conversation this I guess this morning and we were talking about how our hope for this whole thing is what we have learned in the last couple of years in that we understand now what makes us happy. We understand that it's not the shiny toys. It's not the big expensive cars. It's not the things like that. It's not the things that you can buy with money necessarily that really make you happy. What makes you happy are the relationships that you form. It's the, the day-to-day actions that you do. And I, and you know, just, and having a good relationship with the people around you and with, you know, with your creator, those are the things that truly make you happy. And I, I really think I'm very optimistic on this. I'm really hoping that everyone else starts to feel that way and understands what is most important to them because that's what's going to get us through this is, is real, you know, not focusing on the negative, not focusing on the things we don't have anymore, but on the things we still do have and the things that are important to us. And, you know, I think a, I, I genuinely believe in the, in the goodness of humanity. And I think that's going to shine through in these next couple of months and years. I certainly hope you're right. And I, and I have that same optimistic view of things and hope we will get that togetherness, you know, that there's some silver lining to the, the dark time that we're going through. We write a weekly column for Missouri Farm Bureau that we send out to all the newspapers around the state. And, you know, every week we try to find something that's affecting Missouri agriculture producers. And one of the things that I've written two or three different weekly columns about was mental health or people on the farm. And it's amazing to me the feedback that you get every time that you touch on the issue. And the interesting thing to me is that every time I write on the topic and say, here's something people are struggling with and put it out there, I'll hear back from a lot of our members by private email just saying, hey, thank you so much for saying something about this. But then a newspaper or a a television station or a radio station almost every single time will call and say, hey, that's a great line of... um, Uh, news that I hadn't really thought about uh, with the down economy and the ag sector. Is there somebody I could talk to about this? And then I turn to try to find a member that's willing to share with the media what their story is so that they can help other people get out of that situation or avoid getting into it in the first place. And you can't find anyone who wants to to go on the record, so to speak. There's a lot of, obviously, Mm -hmm. a stigma around this. And people all know that it's an issue and know that there's people that need Mm -hmm. help and need someone to talk to, but then they're also not willing to share their own story. So how do we uh, get past that Mm -hmm. and and break through that, those barriers so that people can realize that it's okay to discuss these things? That's a great question. (laughs) I, I, I want to know the easiest way and I'm trying to figure that out, but, uh, it's going to take people who are who are normal, like you said. It's going to take, and you have a you have a wonderful idea there in getting trying to get a, a member, a farm bureau member, a you know a real life 
uh, producer to go out and tell their story. And I think what it's going to take is it's going to take people who have lived it. It's going to take somebody who has seen the worst of the worst. And I'm not mean, I'm not meaning uh, the worst of the economy or anything that the worst in themselves, you know, and, and be able to climb back up from that and be able to be able to get out there and tell that story one and there needs to be a there needs to be a catalyst in this and i think the dominoes will start to fall and that's really kind of what i'm trying to do is not only highlight people who are willing to talk about themselves but be able to talk about some of my own past issues i mean i have had struggles with depression and anxiety for um you know, probably five or six years now. And a lot of it was to the rise and fall of the cattle market in 2014 um, and trying to balance my life with that. And, you know, being able to find that, I think it's just going to take one or two people to really get out there in front to be able to talk about this stuff openly and honestly and without fear of retribution to get others to just kind of follow their way, a trailblazer, if you will. Yeah. And how we do that, I'm not, I'm not sure other than just it, it, and just, just encouraging everybody to do that and just keep, you know, throw some mud until it sticks. You know, I mean, I, I, it's, I know it's kind of a, a, a negative connotation with that analogy, but I, I mean, I still feel it's kind of appropriate to just kind of keep throwing, keep, you know, keep working away and trying to encourage people to come out and talk about this, you know, and eventually people will, eventually people will maybe just, maybe they'll just get tired of people hearing about, hearing about people talk about it and they'll do it just to, uh, to, to just get it, to get them to shut up. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you mentioned that this is something that you, in your own personal life, you've been working your way through for five or six years, I think you said. And that's one of the things mm-hmm. that I think is, hard to grasp about these types of issues is that I think when we hear the word illness, we think of things like COVID-19 or the flu or a Mm -hmm. cold where you catch it, Mm -hmm. you work your way through it and you're over it and it's in your past. But most of these things are just things you're always going to struggle with and deal with long-term and you're going to have to find ways to manage. It's more like a chronic condition, I guess, like diabetes where you're going to have it for a long time, probably at some level, but you can manage it if you know what to do and how to recognize the symptoms. And um, I think that that's something that is hard for people to wrap their minds around. No, you you hit the nail on the head there. I, in fact, when I use try to talk about this in a you know when I cut, try to talk about mental health like it's a it's a real medical condition in that it is. Um, I always compare it to diabetes, and in that you don't you don't feel bad for having to take, I mean, you do, but you do it anyway. And, you know, you don't feel bad for taking insulin because you have diabetes because your body needs it. And your mental health is just as important as your diabetes, your, your, your high cholesterol, your hypertension, all those, all these quote unquote acceptable, um, or accepted medical conditions Um, your mental health is no different and it deserves every bit of the same level of attention as, as all those other ones do. And the the problem is, is I think to me, and this goes back to me, the, 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 
the healthcare professional, the scientist in me. And my biggest problem with mental health and trying to treat it and trying to diagnose it is there isn't a blood pressure you know, your high, there's not a, there's not a blood glucose level or a blood pressure number right. or a cholesterol number that goes with mental health. There's not something like, Oh, you're over this. So you have depression or your, your anxiety level is at a 12. So you are now diagnosed with anxiety. It doesn't right. work like that. It's so, there's so much gray area. And that's something else that I want to talk about too, is when we talk about somebody's mental health, we all have it. You and I have it. Um, my, six-year-old son has it. Um, yeah. My 84-year-old dad has it. We all have it. And it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We, but it's just there. It's just, it's something we just have to manage. And like I said, there's a lot of gray area in there to, uh, somebody once said it was, it's mental health is on a spectrum and you can fluctuate throughout that spectrum at any time um, on the good or high or low. And, uh, and highly functioning, low, you know, low functioning. Uh, it's it, and it, and you can go from that maybe from day to day. And whether we all have a diagnosable condition or not, we all have that, and we can yeah. all, you know, we can all be aware of that as well. No, I think that's a great point. Yeah, you're not either. It's not a black or white where you're either healthy or you're sick. There's all all different right. levels of how you feel. And and something that we've had a few meetings with other Missouri ag groups about this issue, trying to figure out what it is we can do all together. And I think it was people from the Missouri Department of Mental Health that mentioned this, that that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. They said that they found a couple of things. Number one, that when farmers um, are, are wanting to talk to someone, they want to talk to someone who has ag experience because they don't feel like mm -hmm. if, if you haven't been on the farm, you have a hard time really understanding what they're going through. And I think that's yep. true. Yep. Um, and then also they oddly found that using the term mental health scares ag people away. It makes farmers, there's it does. The yes. word. they said they mm -hmm. started talking about mental healthiness. And for some reason, mm -hmm. adding the E-ness to the end of it makes people be like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I want to be mentally healthy. I want to have mental healthiness. But I don't yeah, have a mental yeah. health problem. So yeah, no, you're right. It's, matter. It, it's funny. We've um, I've heard the word. I've heard it used two ways. Two are uh, a two changed in two ways. A friend of mine who is a he's actually a clinical psychologist who specializes in rural quote unquote mental health, but he doesn't call it that anymore. He calls it rural behavioral health, um, and I think that's a really really good way because mental has a bad connotation with it but so when you put that behavioral i mean we all have behavior um whether it's good or bad we all it's we all re recognize behavior as a um neutral term mm -hmm. and um so i think that's really helpful and then another part person i heard who's actually a he's actually a, a psychiatrist that i heard he called it he calls it brain health now and mm -hmm. then when you put brain health into it, it treats it like it's an act that's an actual part of your body, your, your brain, you know, nobody can deny you have a brain. Um, or some, most people, <laughs> some people say I may <laughs> yeah. not have a brain. I, I might know. argue with the other but, <laughs> but, but yeah, but, uh, but you I, know, we can, for the most part, mo go ahead. Yeah. One of the things that was so interesting was hearing them talk about, it. they said, you know, it doesn't matter if we think it's dumb that people respond differently to that. The reality is they do. And so if it helps you mm -hmm. to think of it in different, with a different word, great. Think of it as brain health. Think yep. of it as mental healthiness. Call it whatever you want to yourself. 
if that makes you pay more attention to your own feelings and your own mental state. Whatever it takes, yeah. So what is there to do, though? We also talk a lot about the problems in rural Missouri, rural America, finding yeah. health care in general. If you break your arm, it can be hard. But even more sparse is finding people who have training and dealing with these types of issues. So what are there as far as resources that people can seek out? So there there are a ton of online resources, thankfully. Um, and I didn't realize this until I started doing the work. And I can name a several um, I can I can name a few off the top of my head, but there are many listed on my website um, that people can go, and that that list is always increasing um, every day. Um, the the ones I really like to to give a shout out to, and they're not even American, they're Canadians, um, is the Do More Agriculture Foundation. They are doing some phenomenal work up in Canada. Um, they're a nonprofit that was started for the sole purpose of focusing on mental health awareness in the agriculture industry. And they have done some amazing work. They've put out some really great training materials. They've put out some really great um, videos. Uh, I've had two, two people involved with Do More Ag on my podcast, Leslie Kelly, who has actually become a friend of mine. And then also Adele Stewart, who is the executive director of Do More right now. Um, I've had them both on and, you know, they've both have, they, they're doing some really great work. Uh, another place that people can go um, is farmcounseling.com. Uh, gentleman by the name of Ted Matthews, who is a clinical psychologist who um, spe he specializes in rural mental health and especially in, in dealing with people in agriculture. Uh, you know, he, Ted puts his number on there, on that website, his cell phone, and I can vouch for it. He will answer when you call him. Um, it's, it, he's pretty, you know, I know he's just one man, but he's, he's doing some really remarkable work. And I, I have plans to have him on the podcast in the future. And one of my personal favorites places to go is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Val Farmer. Uh, I consider Val a friend, a mentor, um, he is kind of a pioneer in talking about this. He actually was doing a lot of this kind of talk um, and kind of work back in the eighties when the last farm crisis hit. And um, he's got a whole website of his articles and his backlogs of just things that he's written. You know, he's written a couple of books. He's just a, he's a great guy. And I've had him twice on my podcast. I'm going to have him again. Um, him and I actually did a spot with KBIA up in Columbia uh, and, and just kind of had a little discussion on there about uh, mental health and agriculture up there. So uh, yeah, there are, and that's just, those are just three places. And I was able to talk a lot about those, but there are so, so many places that, um, that are available online. And you know what? There, you're getting more and more people, just regular people involved. Um, I know a lot of the state extensions are training their extension agents on um, on mental health, mental health first aid. They're, uh, I've talked to several extension agents that are that are going through that training and just making the people like the extension agents, like the veterinarians, like the seed salesmen, all those people aware and being able to, you know, kind of recognize when a when a problem is going on now, um, they're not going to be the treatment. They're not going to be the psychologist or the psychiatrist or, or the doctor that's going to uh, help them out. But they are going to be, they're going to, just like the word says, they're going to be the mental health first aid um, administrators. And so just like when somebody sprains their ankle, 
it doesn't take a doctor to put the ice on that ankle, but it can't, you know, but the person, you know, in the stands at the baseball game, when your son does that to himself, you know, he can do that. And so that's kind of like what mental health first aid is with people who, like I mentioned, the, the, the seed salesmen, the, the nutritionists, the vets, those people who are active day to day with these farmers and who people trust, they can recognize any kinds of uh, signs or, or symptoms that are going on in regards to their, to their health. Yeah. You mentioned trust. I think that's a big part of it. People want to talk to someone who they trust mm-hmm. is not yep. going to betray them and tell everybody in town what they're thinking and what they're struggling with. And in some ways that can be a blessing in disguise that we don't have all that many uh, mental health care providers in rural areas, because then you can talk to somebody online, like the resources you mentioned, who lives maybe in Canada. They're never going to talk to anybody mm-hmm. else in your hometown. You don't have to worry about who mm-hmm. we're getting out. So sometimes this technology kind of right. stuff can be really valuable and making it more, you know, open for you to to reach out to people. And and you did mention also that uh, some of these links and resources are on your website. You've talked about your podcast. Mm-hmm. Where What is your website address and where can people find out uh, more about that and, and find your podcast? Yeah. So my, my website is agstateofmind.com. Um, that's where, you know, I write, I try to write a weekly blog with the way things have been going. It's been usually every two weeks now. Yeah. Um, but that's where I have some, I have some, uh, a page devoted to solely to mental health resources. And there are a lot of times they're on a state by state basis. Um, you know, and then there are some national and some international places, um, all really, really great resources. Um, and my podcast, you can find, um, I am a member of the global ag network. And if you have a computer, the best place to find it is to go to the global ag slash ag state of mind with Jason Meadows. And, uh, but, I'm also available on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, just go and search Ag State of Mind, and there, that's, that's where you'll find me. And I release episodes every Monday. Um, actually, they usually come out Sunday night, but I really start promoting them on Monday morning. Um, and, you know, I, I stay pretty consistent. Like I said, I've 27 Mondays in a row, I've, I've released an episode. So I have no plans of breaking that streak anytime well, soon. And good for you, because having been in this uh, podcast world myself, it's hard to stay on that kind of schedule. So, yep. uh, and, and I mentioned yep. I've listened to a couple of episodes before we talked, and it's really interesting, fascinating stuff to, to hear and entertaining to uh, hear people talk about these things that are everyday normal people, but talking about issues that you don't normally hear them talking about. I think it's a great service that you're providing, and I'm glad to have someone that's a Missouri resident that um, is really taking the lead on this and jumping in. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you for having me. I, you know, I, I get pretty wound up when I talk about this stuff because I am so passionate about it and I love it so much. And um, what this podcast has provided, the opportunities that it has provided for me, um, you know, is has been so much, so much fun. And I, I'm I'm really appreciating getting to not only talk to people, but actually getting people coming and telling me how much they appreciate the help. And, you know, a gentleman the other day, he, he told me how much he told me I meant the world to him. And, you know, that's, that's really cool considering he lives in Nebraska and we'd have no way of ever connecting. And, you know, I've had, I've I've connected with several people like that and it's, it's been really a really 
cool and humbling experience. Well, that's fantastic. You know, Missouri Farm Bureau is also looking into what else we can do to be helpful. And you mentioned the the uh, mental health first aid training. The extension is working in. We're uh, exploring ways we can be involved in that as well and help more people learn about those resources. So I expect that we'll have more to share about this from our Missouri Farm Bureau perspective in the, in the months to come. But again, Jason Meadows with Ag State of Mind, thank you for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me.